The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, I don't know if you noticed, we've got kind of a football theme going on today. Um, Good morning, I'm Sean, and so glad that you are here. And unlike Traven, I am excited for some football today. And so I, I, you know, just to kind of keep this theme going, we have kickoff Sunday outside where you can sign up for anything that's going on in the fall here. And we are going to start a short little series that's going to take us to our service day. And this series is called Get in the Game. Because right now in football stadiums all over the country, there are players getting ready for their first game of the season. They are putting on their pads and their uniforms. They're putting that black stuff under their eyes and they're getting warmed up and they're stretching. Soon they'll all gather in the locker room where their coach will come in and give them their final instructions. And he'll say things like, I don't need to tell you how important this game is, gentlemen. This is why you lift all those weights in the, winter t- in the summertime. This is why you've been working so hard. You're going to have to give your blood, your sweat, and your tears. You're going to have to be courageous and disciplined. Now let's go out there and let's win this game. And you didn't respond like they would have. <laughs> yeah, they would jump up and they'd start hitting each other's pads and yelling and chanting. Some of them may go up to their coach and say, hey, coach, that was a great speech, one of the best I've ever heard. Now, what would happen if at that very moment, everybody decided to just calm back down, head back to their lockers, take off their helmet and their shoulder pads, get all cleaned up, put on their street clothes, and head home? What would happen if the coach, instead of leading his team out on the field, decided to go back into his office and start working on his pep talk for next week? What would happen? Of course, most of you are thinking, that would never even happen. That, that's a ridiculous idea. Because these players, they didn't come for a pep talk. They came to get out on the field. They know that their mission is not about listening to somebody talk. It's about getting in the game. Perhaps you see where I'm going with this. It's possible for a church to act like a football team that gathers for a talk, a pep talk every week, and then heads back to their regular lives and never takes the field. Our Sunday services are a very important part of our life together. But if this is all that we do, If all we do is gather for an hour together once a week, then we are not being the church that God has called us to be. We're like the football team that never takes the field. God wants us to get in the game. He wants our life together to be about more than just a pep talk. I want to read a passage for you this morning that comes out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. And let me set up the passage just a little bit. It's a very important one in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And the Spirit of God has descended upon him like a dove. And then he went off into the wilderness where he was tempted and where he fasted. And then 40 days later, he emerged from the wilderness ready to begin his ministry on earth. 
in the power of that Holy Spirit that had descended upon him. And so now we're going to pick up the story. Jesus is heading to his home region of Galilee. And that's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, how many of you would like to attend a church where somebody uses Jesus' method of speaking as the preaching, as a sermon for that Sunday? Gets up, reads a short passage from scripture, says one sentence, and sits down. Who would attend a church like that? (laughs) Well, I'm not going to do that today. (laughs) I apologize. Uh, I will still, it'll be shorter than normal because I want to get you out of here on time. But I do want to take a look at these words because even though they're brief, they tell us a lot about how Jesus understood his mission on earth. But before we look at those words, I just want to make a quick note. I want you to note that in verse 16, it said that Jesus went on the Sabbath to the synagogue, which was his custom. He, even though he was God in human flesh, he still felt that going with the worshiping community and gathering once a week was important. So for 30 years, he'd gone week by week to worship with other people. So please, as I talk today about getting in the game, please don't think that I'm saying that what we do here each week isn't important. Jesus went every week to the sanctuary, and he wants us to do the same thing. This is where we learn so much about who God is and we receive his grace and we come together and we remember that we're not doing this alone. But as I said earlier, if this is all we do, then we're a lot like that football team that goes to the pep talk and never takes the field. So now with that in mind, let's take a look at what Jesus said in the passage When Jesus read from the book of Isaiah chapter 61, what he was really doing was sharing his personal mission statement. We're familiar with mission statements, right? Just about every corporation and business has a mission statement today. Our church has a mission statement. We exist to help de-church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We have a mission statement, and Jesus... In a sense, in reading this passage, he was giving us his mission statement. So we can learn a lot about what he saw his job on earth to be by looking at this statement. I want to quickly look at four things that he said in the passage as he read. First, he said that he came to proclaim good news to the poor. See, Jesus came to carry the message of hope 
to people who desperately needed it. And he came to go to those people, to the poor, to the destitute, to those who had little hope. And he came and he, came and he told them that God sees where you are. He understands your condition, and he has sent me, Jesus, to do something about that. He came to give good news to the poor. Next, he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. In a literal sense, when you're talking about prisoners, it, literally it's talking about captives or prisoners of war. Now, my family, we have family friends whose son has been a prisoner of war for, almost four year, for more than four years. He was taken in Afghanistan in June of 2009. His name is Bo Bergdahl, and I, I want to invite you to pray along with my family for his safe return. Uh, his family lives in the town we used to live in, Haley, Idaho. And I tell you what, when Bo is released someday, that town is going to throw a party. It is going to celebrate that he has been released from captivity because that's what you do when somebody is set free. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to set, a, to set these times of celebration for people to be set free from captivity. And not just literal captivity, but also spiritual captivity to sin and addiction and fear. He came to release people from this kind of bondage. And the only way that he could do that was to go outside the walls of the church and to go into the community where he was. He had to get in the game. Jesus also came to, re to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, Jesus encounters a blind man, and then he, John chapter 9, you can read about it. He, he sees this blind man, and then he spits into the ground. Or as I like to say, he hawks a holy loogie. <laughs> and, he, and he goes down, and he picks it up, and he takes the mud that's been formed, and he places it into the eyes of the blind man, and it's the first step towards this blind man actually being healed and being able to see. So Jesus healed literally blind people. But once again, there's also a spiritual element to this where Jesus also healed the spiritually blind, where he can help us to see God and to see our world in new ways. And Jesus didn't sit in the sanctuary waiting for everybody to come to him. No, instead he went out and he found people where they were. And fourth, Jesus came to set the oppressed free. You know, oppression is one of the hardest things in our world to even understand and to grasp. And it's one of the hardest things. That fly keeps getting us, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Easily distracted. <laughs> oppression is one of those things about life that is just um, so hard. <laughs> This is going to distract me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> All right, staying focused. Um, Jesus came. This is a very important point, actually. Jesus came to heal those who are oppressed, to, to free people. God cares deeply about issues of justice, and we see it throughout the entire Bible that he cares so much about justice. And Jesus said that stopping oppression was a key element of his mission on earth. He wasn't content to just sit in the synagogue. No, he went to people where they were. 
So Jesus, we see in him, in his mission, so much about who he was. He was a person whose mission was outward focused. It was about compassion and empowerment and hope. And he calls us to do the same thing, to participate in that same mission in our lives. He calls each of us to get in the game. Maybe you've had a get in the game moment in your life at some point. Maybe it was literally a game and you were sitting on the end of the bench and a coach finally realized that you were sitting there and came down and said, this is your moment. It's time to go into the game. Or maybe you were somebody, you had a job and your boss came to you and said, this is your moment. I'm, I'm going to give you the chance to give this huge presentation. It's time to get in the game. Or maybe you were the understudy in a play and the lead got sick. And whether you were ready or not, you were getting in the game. Well, Jesus had many get in the game moments with his disciples. And maybe one of the greatest ones came in Acts chapter 1. This is actually, if you look at the New Testament, Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, also wrote a second book that served really as a second volume to the book of Luke. It's the book that we know today as Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And it's the story of what Jesus continued to do through his disciples, even after he had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. And so we're going to look at this get in the game moment in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's coming to his disciples one last time before he ascends into heaven. And here's what he says. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you see what happened there? In Luke, Jesus came and he pronounced, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Basically, to carry out this mission that we've been talking about, this outward-focused mission, And now Jesus in Acts 1, before he ascends into heaven, he goes to his disciples and he says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then if you continue to read through the book of Acts, you see his disciples continuing his mission of mercy and empowerment and healing and justice. Jesus said to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. Basically, the places that you are right now and the region that you're in right now. And in Samaria, the place that you don't want to go. And to the ends of the earth, everywhere. Notice he didn't say to them, you will give about an hour each week to come and talk about me and sing about me, and then you'll be good. That's all you really need to do. (laughs) He didn't say that. He said, you're going to continue my mission What an honor, what a privilege, what a responsibility. And he says the same thing to us today. This morning, we got a chance to hear from people who'd been to the Ukraine and to Zimbabwe. We also sent people to Brazil and the Dominican Republic this summer. 
So we've sent people to the ends of the earth, and we want to continue to do that as a church. But today, I want to talk about our serve day. We're doing this because we believe that our mission starts right here. This is our Jerusalem. This is our context. This is where God wants us to serve. What if every person who calls Highlands home decided to get in the game and to become an agent of good news, freedom, reconciliation, and compassion right here where we live? On our PR serve day, we're going to go out and we are going to seek to meet tangible needs. We're going to seek to bless our community. But even more important than what we do on that one day, that one morning together, is what I hope will happen in our hearts and in our eyes, that our eyes would be open to the needs around us, and that this wouldn't just be one day, but would be a chance for us to begin to do new things and to serve in new and exciting ways. There are so many needs in our community. I'm just going to quickly highlight a few before we wrap up. There are a ton of hungry people around us. Each week, hundreds upon hundreds of people receive food from places like the Slow County Food Bank and Loaves and Fishes and Second Baptist. Two years ago, the Department of Social Justice for our county did a 24-hour survey where they just took a snapshot of homelessness in our county. And in just 24 hours, they were able to identify almost 4,000 people who were homeless. And 36% of those lived in North County. There were children and teens and veterans. How might God want us to respond to those who don't have the food, the shelter, and the clothing that they need? There are so many needs around us. There are Children at local schools that each day go to school without the food that they need and they don't have the adequate clothing that they need. There are kids who don't have healthy role models in in their lives. Our faculty and the staff at our schools are doing everything that they can to help them, but they just are stretched too thin to meet the needs of every kid who's there. How might God want us to be a source of love and advocacy and support for these children? Every year, hundreds of women and children in our community, in our county, seek help for domestic violence that they've been dealing with. Many can go to the North County Women's Shelter and get help, but how many other people in our community need support and advocacy? Drug addiction is a pervasive problem in our area. It's really hard to quantify how many people are struggling with addiction to things like methamphetamines and heroin and prescription drugs. But these are people that God loves. These are people that God wants to set free. And finally, there are many in our community, in a, in a world that, in a society that worships youth, sometimes the elderly in our community get forgotten and neglected. There are many senior members around us that would just love to have somebody sit and talk with them and care and listen. These are just a few of the needs, and I'm sure that there are many other needs that you're aware of that we can't even touch on this morning. But we believe here at Highlands that God has called us to participate in the mission of Jesus Christ, to be people who offer hope, that people that go to those who feel abandoned and ashamed and fearful those who feel powerless, and to offer them everything we can 
in the name of Jesus Christ. So our service day in two weeks is meant to bless our community. It's meant to meet practical needs. But more than that, it's meant to open our eyes to the needs around us so that we can get in the game on a full-time basis so that we can participate in the mission of Jesus Christ right here at home. I hope you'll join us in that, and I ask you to pray with me right now. Lord, we thank you for this day. More importantly, we thank you for the honor and the privilege of, of serving for you. Lord, I pray that you would empower us to get in the game, even if we don't feel ready. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.